Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to bluenile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's bluenile.com. bluenile.com. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Featuring tales to terrify and far-fetched fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Show by everybody. Welcome. Hello and welcome to Show 480. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Translation Month three-week special last week and the couple of weeks after before that. Great response. Thank you so much. Like I say, it's lovely to do that, to kind of just get a glimpse in, you know, I know that sounds a bit kind of naive, but to get a glimpse in, the, you know, how the workings of other writers in other countries and other languages work. And it's a great little, you know, Starship Sofa is a great platform, I think, to to put that out to a greater audience. So big hats off to everyone. Big hats off to Jeremy as well. And Ralph, just kind of pulling all like you know, together. Thank you so much. Onwards, ever onwards, show 480. The writer today is David Gullen. And I'll tell you a little bit more about David. But be first, just before we, we jump into that, stereo versus mono. Yes, I've had some replies. Thank you so much, everyone that kind of wrote in with that. And 100%, 100% mono. Yes, never mind, Tony. Never mind, upload speeds. You can upload it quicker. Honestly, mono is everyone's preferred cup of tea. And I didn't, you know take into account car stereos and everything like that in, in different places where you listen and, you know, mono just makes it 
practically waste, you know, wasteful all time consuming and bigger files to download. Some people are just downloading the files on small, you know, again, I never took this into consideration, on the small devices, you know, like say a few gigs devices and it certainly does ramp up the, the size if you're kind of taking a few of our our shows, you know. So we will go from now on in mono. It'll actually ease ease the, the, the wheels on this old old beast of a girl as well. That's kind of chugging away, trying to kind of process the, the file. So, yes, we're going to go up mono. Thank you to everyone. Do you know what I mean? To, to, who kind of shouted up and says, Whoa, no, man, God's it, Tony. No, mono it is. So, I've got something quite important to see after the story and everything finishes, but we'll get into the main fiction. All Your Futures Are Belong to Us by David Gullen. Originally appeared in ARC 1.3. David is a white African writer whose short fiction has appeared in various magazines and anthologies. His work has won the British Fantasy Society Short Story Competition, placed third in the Eon Award and been shortlisted for the James White Award. He has also been a judge for the Arthur C. Clarke Award. This story is narrated by Tatiana Gray. Tatiana Gray is a critically acclaimed actress of stage, screen and audio booth. She has been nominated for dozens of fancy awards, but hasn't won a single damn thing. She does, however, have a feature film hitting the festival circuit called Serious Laundry. She lives in Brooklyn, New York, and there's a link on to Tatiana's site as well. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present. All Your Futures Are Belong to Us by David Gullen After months of calling, I'd had a reply. I was so excited I had to talk to someone, so I went to Vanya's party. I wasn't invited. They weren't my friends. They were just the people I knew. But I went anyway. Beautiful Vanya opened the door. Oh, it's you. She wore a few strategically draped rose and lemon ribbons, her hair sleek and perfect. I had on my usual, flat shoes, a plain dress. She dismissed my clothes from the top step. I'm having a party. I rolled my eyes. I know. Deep inside the house, someone called Vanya's name. At the same time, her sleeve began to chime. Distracted, Vanya went back inside. She left the door open. I followed her in. Everyone was out back, beside the pool, under the palms. It really was a perfect day. I went over to the bar and helped myself to a drink, a handful of canapes. A few of Vanya's friends looked me up and down like I was a freak, like they were better than me, then returned to their conversations with each other or on their sleeves. I knew their names. I wanted to go over and sit down with them and tell them what I'd discovered. They wouldn't care. They'd listen with fixed smiles, then move away. I saw Wilf. He was tanned. He looked great. So did everybody else. Leggy Vanya, handsome Dahid, her uber-cool black-eyed friend back down the skyhook after another joyride in his space yacht, the rest of her crowd. Wilf and Vanya stood very close together. He was being really funny, 
Everyone could hear Vanya laughing. Dahid kept looking at me, the only one who ever did. He smiled and waved, but he never came over. I sat on the lawn, on my own. The grass was just the right length, with a scatter of clover and little white daisies. I dragged my fingers through the clover. The leaves made a satisfying, ripping sound. I thought about the ship, its crew, the captain, what I would say to them when we finally met. Do you realize you're talking to yourself? I looked up, and it was Wilf. His shoulders were broad, his bare, tanned shins lean and hairy, his jawline strong. When he smiled at me, his teeth were really white. I liked Wilf. I knew he would understand. I, too, have perfect teeth. Wilf, it's here. I've had a reply. Wilf looked around the lawn, back at Vanya, then crouched beside me. What is, Abby? I laughed. He was teasing me. I liked when he did that. Then I realized he really didn't know. The Mesopotamia, I said. The ship from Earth. His eyes went wide. You mean it actually made it? It's already here? He wrote something on his sleeve, then pursed his lips at the result. <sighs> already, three and a half centuries, 150 light years of subliminal space, you do realize it was launched a hundred years before this colony was founded. Wilf gave a quirky smile. You're full of facts, Abby. I laughed at his ignorance. Here's another. It's not here yet. It's only just crossed the heliopause. Mesopotamia. The biggest artifact mankind had ever built. A miles-long, asymmetric dumbbell. Archaic fizz-fuzz engines lay behind a plate-like rad shield at one end. The crew quarters, cryolabs, and incubators formed a moonlit-sized sphere at the other. From a time before SPQR engines, it was the last titanic effort of a dying world. Planet Earth. I had been broadcasting twice a day on the orbital array transmitters ever since Mesopotamia passed through the Oort cloud. Tight beam signals across a broad swath of the electromagnetic spectrum from long-wave radio to laser light. The crew should have been able to receive me. But after so much time, who knew what failures they had endured? What jury-rigged substitutes they now relied upon to communicate? What did the message say? Wilf said. Full of delicious excitement, I let the moment draw out. Then I said, WTF. Tension left Wilf's shoulders. Nothing else? It's enough that they responded. It proves they're alive. Abby, you could just be an autoresponder. I don't think so. Wilf's mouth twisted. What does it mean? I hated to admit it, but I didn't know. A decade of cultural anthropology, comparative modalities, the archaic dialect... It had still not taught me all I needed to know about communication with an island population isolated for a third of a millennium.
Two days with almost no sleep caught up with me. Suddenly I was close to tears. Wilf laid his fingers on my hand. How are you doing, Abby? I didn't know what he meant, except I did, and it was upsetting. I'm all right. I've worked so hard, I, I know so little. It's still working out for you? Staying delayed? I stared at him open-mouthed. What's it got to do with you? Wilf held up his hands. Look, I delayed too, remember? For five years. We're the same, you and me. We've got ambitions, and we made sacrifices. I know what you're going through. I know what it's like to see your peer group become adults before yourself. And now you're all grown up. Epi, I'm just saying. When I gave up the delay, there were some distractions. But I didn't feel like I suddenly got stupid or anything. He looked over at the girls by the pool, all self-aware curves and knowing looks. Some things, they became easier to understand. He didn't know how cruel that was. So, what are you doing that's so important? He gave me that self-deprecating grin of his. Sewerage and water treatment? I've revised the reed bed ecology, returned the rotifers life cycle, widened the hydra's oxygen tolerances. It's pretty interesting. I'm recruiting a consortium for implementation. It did sound like fun, working with Wilf. And it was important. The colony was growing. Systems needed to expand with it. Wilf already had good rep. This project would seriously add to it. What about them? I jerked my head across the crowd around the pool. Vanya and Dahid had never delayed. They just grew up and got on with playing in the sunshine with their friends. Vanya's lot? Wilf gave a short bark of laughter. Maybe. If they don't start to work soon, someone will invoke Corvée. Everybody has to contribute. That was funny. Vanya's crowd were so cool, I knew I could never be like them. Perversely, the thought made me glad. I loved the thought of Corvée, of them being obliged to do any old job, whether they wanted to or not. Digging ditches for Wilf. Re-energized, I jumped to my feet. The people on Mesopotamia. I touched the pseudo-gland and planted high up inside my bicep. I have to stay as I am. I can't let a few hormones mess with my intellect. Wilf put his hands on my hips, a confusingly intimate contact I liked but simultaneously didn't want. Abby, have you ever thought that they might not have made it? What an outrageous, stupid question. I was so shocked I just stared. What do you think I've been doing all my life? I've thought about them every day. They need my help. They've been isolated so long, so ignorant and lonely. They sit out as Earth's last hope, their destination a hostile planet. When they find us here, they're not going to know what to do, what to think, what to feel. Without me, they'll go crazy. Two people approached, Vanya and Dahid. You're disturbing the vibe. What are you shouting about? Vanya said. Dahid looked at me strangely. He was breathing deep as if he'd been for a run. 
Wilf is perving it up again with little Appy. Wilf, you're such a div. Wilf's arms snapped out. His finger quivered an inch from Dahid's nose. You keep your mouth shut. Dahid just smiled. He looked at me. You okay, Appy? Wilf took a step forwards. Get lost, Dahid. Vanya raised her voice. Wilf, don't. If you keep shouting, you'll have to leave. I felt my face burn. I'm going anyway. I'll come with you, Wilf said. Epi, Dahid said. I ignored him. He was the one who looked, not Wilf. We walked past the pool, past everyone, and into Vanya's house. Acutely aware of the movements of my knees and elbows, I concentrated on trying to walk normally. Vanya's stylish house was silent. The whole place was powered by a small SPQR flip-flop. Humidity, pool temperature, lighting. Domicile bots paused their activities as we entered each room, and resumed once we'd left. It was the same as my house, except for the visitors. What's the ship doing now? Wilf asked as we passed through. Heading towards the sun for deceleration? Another automatic function? I didn't answer. People believe what they want. As a child, I'd become obsessed by the facts of the Mesopotamia. Built at a time of no hope, it was a planetary end-of-days project of utter sacrifice nobody had been sure would work. Then, all through the miraculous Great Recovery, the vast ship had crawled through space towards us with its cargo of a million embryos. Up it had come, out of the depths of an immense time well, and emerged into its future, our present day. The awesome facts of the project still burned in my mind. A billion deaths for a higher cause. None of our new world had any need for sacrifice, certainly not this near-perfect colony. I ached to give myself to something worthwhile, something grander than simple ambition. Wilf, I have to help them. Nobody else cares. I thought Wilf looked a little sad. I wish I could help you, he said. I know how to care. He looked so sad, I kissed him on the mouth. I'd never done that before. I think I did it right. That night, I hardly slept a wink. I felt a tingle of joy and ran my hands over my body. Wilf and I were meant for each other, I was sure. I fought down a powerful urge to deactivate my implant, but I knew I must wait. For just a few more months, I'd need all my youthful energy and intellectual resources. The day the ship landed was a day I had waited for my entire life. It was going to be brilliant. The year rolled on. Mesopotamia decelerated around the sun and headed out again, towards planetary rendezvous. Meanwhile, Wilf's project stalled for the usual reasons. Lack of volunteers and raw materials. SPQR engines and flip-flops gave us endless energy. The constant constraint on our mineral-poor planet was resources. Materials went to popular instigators with the highest rep first. Wilf wasn't in that league. I monitored Mesopotamia's progress, ran projections, and 
continued my research into the chaotic, desperate times during which the enormous spacecraft was built and launched. I also continued my twice-daily transmissions, but there were no further messages. My initial optimism descended into puzzled frustration. Then, Wilf and Vanya ruined everything. One morning, I arrived at the broadcast array at the base of the skyhook and saw Vanya waiting in the glass-arched foyer. Over here, Abby! Vanya beckoned me with languid wave of her hand. What are you doing here? Vanya flicked back her glossy hair. I volunteered. You need a project mentor. There was a vacancy. I applied. This was dreadful. You can't. You don't know anything about linguistic anthropology or archaic mindsets or... I don't need to. This is all about counseling a junior on their first independent project. I exceed all empathic and social minima. Junior? We're the same age, I exclaimed. Yes, but I'm more experienced. No, you're not. You never learned anything. You just did the basic courses. Thank you, Abby, but you might be surprised. Vanya looked me up and down. Anyway, I meant biosocially. I tried everything. Vanya wasn't having it. Either accept me or call for arbitration. She knew as well as me if I did that, the project would go on hold. You're just doing this to avoid corvée assignments. You should be digging ditches for Wilf. Vanya studied her nails. It was Wilf who suggested it. I couldn't believe it. He said he cared. He said he wanted to help me. Crushed by his betrayal, I had no more arguments. What do you want me to do? Well, Appy, I'm concerned you've become emotionally obsessed with a doomed ideal. Your devotion has been admirable, but it was based on an immature romantic dream. Mesopotamia is an antique, a piece of tin. Everyone inside it is dead. What about the course corrections? I said. The breaking slingshot around the sun. Reflex systems activated by photon density. Vanya didn't know things like that. Someone must have briefed her. My heart sank. Wilf. They replied to me. They answered my call. The last spasm of dying circuits. It was galling to have to justify myself to Vanya. No, it means they're using the original frequencies. That shows they've maintained their equipment. Also, I've proved they use the Latin alphabet. All you've done is confirm facts known for centuries. You haven't discovered anything new. Satisfied with her own logic, Vanya gave my shoulder an indulgent squeeze. Abby, you tried, but it's time you grew up. It's time to cut Mesopotamia open and see what's inside. Furious, I jerked away from her touch and paced between the transmission stacks. I didn't care if she was right. I wasn't prepared to admit that everything I'd worked for, my life, my dreams and hopes, had been for nothing. 
I'd made gallant sacrifices. My time, my education, my body. That level of intervention would be catastrophic compared to us, the crew are damaged children, mentally and socially frozen in time. The simple fact of our existence will have crushed their hopes, their reason for existence. You've already done that with your message, Vanya said. You think they are the children? It was your selfish choice to make contact. Her comments cut me to the bone. Had I really caused so much damage? Well, how else could we warn them? Nobody else cared. Exactly. Vanya made a call on her sleeve. Dahid's handsome face, encased in an open-faced helmet, hovered in the air between us. Are you ready? Vanya asked him. Prepped at the base of the skyhook. Look, Vanya, are you sure about this? Let me talk to Appy. Appy's fine. The contract's yours. Enjoy. It had all happened so fast. I felt numb. Vanya? I said. She looked up from her sleeve, absorbed by the messages scrolling across the material. Vanya? What will happen to the ship? Dehan's gonna chop through the spine at the rad shield with remote drones, then push the engine pod into the sun. She gave a theatrical shudder. Those fuzz fizz engines are a radioactive nightmare. It's fizz fuzz. Antimatter mediated fission fusion hybrids. It wouldn't work the other way around. My pedantic answer earned me a long, patient look. Whatever. The rest gets chopped up. There's 17 fucktons of recyclables in the space frame. What about the embryos? Vanya became exasperated. Oh, come on! What embryos? Their technology couldn't protect against cell damage for all that time. After three centuries of cosmic rays, all you'd get is freaks, monsters, and spontaneous terminations. I just flat out didn't believe her. They'd never have set out without solving problems like that. Dahid's ship would take two hours to climb the skyhook, another few hours to reach Mesopotamia. There was nothing to lose. I opened a channel and broadcast unscripted spoken word. This is Norte Chico Colony calling in Mesopotamia. Please acknowledge you will be boarded in approximately five hours. Please advise if you're able to operate airlocks. Norte Chico calling Mesopotamia. Please respond. Please respond. Vanya smirked at me, then returned to her sleeve. I repeated the message. And again. Out of the crackling ether came a weary voice. This is Penelope Tennyson, captain of the Mesopotamia. Do not approach. Do not board. All attempts will be strenuously resisted. Vanya's mouth hung open. Was that? She frowned. What does strenuously mean? They were alive. I jumped into the air, excited to bursting point. This proves what we always feared. Not only is their language archaic, so is their moral compass. Vanya, you have to abort the salvage mission before Mesopotamia destroys it. Pale with tension, Vanya issued the recall. Okay, what now? 
I don't know. If we approach, they'll attack. A cold chill ran across my back, thrilling, yet dreadful. The Mesopotamia Combine had fought three wars during construction. Who knows what weapons they've got? Death machines from the age of fear, bioterror, nano-armies. Maybe they'll seed the atmosphere with transuranic isotopes. Maybe they'll invade. Head in hands, Vanya slumped down in her chair. I don't know what to do. Surrender? Vanya's pretty face was drawn with tension. What a nightmare. This is going to destroy Wilf's rep. That's all you can think of? Cast it wide. Emergency vote. Priority consensus. With trembling fingers, Vanya activated her sleeve. I have to declare a global foobar. Me. Who'd have thought it? She gave me a sly look. Wait. Nobody else knows this yet. If we don't provoke this Tennyson, she won't attack. She straightened her shoulders. For the common good, as a responsible citizen, I'm issuing a hermetic notice. You can't. Yes, I can. I'm the project mentor. It's too important. Everyone's going to freak out. The whole colony will have planet-wide panic, riots, death. This is all your fault. I'm giving you 24 hours to fix it. You should be grateful. What do you mean I have 24 hours? You're in this too. Vanya's brow glistened with sweat. I am not cut out for this sort of thing. I only wanted to help Wilf. She collapsed back into her chair. Her sleeve chimed a short, pentatonic tune, and she jerked upright. I should be at Tai Chi. The penny dropped. This is all happening because you want to date Wilf? Vanya gave a miserable nod. Thanks to you, Captain Tennyson is in shock. She's afraid and confused, lashing out like a cornered animal. Vanya turned at the door. All right, so I'll resign. Happy now? No way she was getting off that easily. Then your H notice expires and I'll tell everyone it was you. Vanya's face twisted into a spiteful mask. You freak. You think you're so special. She tried to slam the door behind her, but the harder she pulled, the more the dampers resisted. She gave one final tug and fell off her heel. Scowling furiously, Vanya hobbled away. Alone, I tried to think of what to do. Thanks to Vanya's sexual infatuation and the dreams of an ambitious sewerage systems engineer, the world was in crisis, and its fate lay in my hands. And Vanya said I was crazy to delay for so long. The transmission room felt oppressive, claustrophobic, thick with psychic bruises from Vanya's self-pitying angst. I went out into the foyer, across the plaza to a pavement cafe. I tapped in an order for a mochaccino and almond croissant on the table, then patched my sleeve through to the space arrays and sent a tight-beam message to Tennyson. The boarding ship has been recalled. There was no reply. I gave it another minute, then sent. What do you want to do? Despite her threats, I felt sorry for the Mesopotamia's captain, frightened and alone in a universe that had stopped making sense. 
Tennyson's throaty voice came over the band. What's your name? Apple Riquez? I'm a cultural anthropologist specializing in first contact. Who's in charge down there, Riquez? I am. You represent the government? Her mindset was so primitive. Her assumptions so backwards. How could we understand each other's worlds? I wondered if we'd ever be able to really communicate a true meeting of minds. I'm working alone, I said. Tennyson said nothing. I'd begun to worry she'd broken contact when she said, I want to come down. My heart was in my mouth. Of course. Tell me where to land. If I do that, everyone will know you're here. Again, that pause. This is still a secret? You are, yes. Who else is aware? Um, nobody? A couple of people. We're liberal techno-anarchists, decentralized and devolved. We... You don't have a government. Tennyson was incredulous. Nobody is in charge. The waiter brought me my coffee. One moment, I said to Tennyson, impressed by her leap of reasoning. What's wrong? Tennyson said. Who was that? Oh, just the waiter. I... Where are you? Tennyson demanded. Captain, I'm sending a shuttle to collect you. We'll meet at the base of the Skyhook in a few hours. Look, Riquez, I'm not the real captain. This was great. It was vital we established mutual trust. Thank you for your honesty. Can I speak with her? No, you can't. He killed himself. It had to be her. Broad-shouldered with brutally close-cropped brown hair, she wore a bacterial mask and a one-piece overall with a ridiculously small collar. No cuff straps, and what was really weird, no sleeve. She stepped out of one of the dozens of skyhook paternosters and looked around, shoulders hunched, her eyes wide, an animal in the headlights. Captain Tennyson? I held out my hand. She took it limply, then gripped hard as if her life depended on it. I saw she was wearing latex gloves. Dahid followed behind, diffident and silent. We stood in the main concourse of the Skyhook. Crowds of passengers for the big ships to the other colonies queued on the upward-bound sides of the Paternosters. Tennyson's costume drew some odd looks. A few people splayed thumb and forefinger as they took pictures. I hoped they would assume she was a performer or a specialist technician. Over here. I led them to a booth at the side of the concourse. I'd had to involve Dahid. I didn't own a space yacht, and I couldn't fly one. Dahid was already in orbit. It seemed he was under Vanya's thumb, and, I half suspected, some strange fascination with me. For the first time... I imagined these odd emotional relationships as a web of obsession spread across the world, each thread tugging at the person on the other end, old threads falling, slack, new ones spun out, sometimes snapping or deliberately being cut. 
No wonder people got distracted and made mistakes. I thought delay would keep me out of the web and unattached. I was wrong, but it meant I could now pull on a few threads of my own. Daheed, you are wonderful, I said. Thank you. Daheed was normally so cool, so poised, his black ringlets perfect. I swear he looked flustered. Happy, Daheed swallowed, then blurted out. Vanya lied to me. I'd do anything for you. Right now, I need you to go back in orbit just in case there's another visitor. Yes, Appy. Isn't this amazing? I never realized, I mean... I pecked him on the cheek. Thanks, Daheed. Captain Tennyson stood at the door of the booth. I joined her, and we watched Daheed merge with the transit crowds, step onto one of the paternosters, and rise up to the skyhook. Tennyson's gaze followed the skyhook into infinity, a quarter-mile-wide carbon-fiber cable tapering to vanishing point. Her head tipped back. She staggered. I caught her elbow and led her to a chair, tapped the table for privacy, and the windows opaqued. You're traumatized by cultural overwhelm, I told her. Don't forget to breathe. Outside, the sky, it's been so long. Tennyson shook her head like a bull. Your apple, Riquez? Yes. Why the face filter? Are you unwell? Alien bacteria. Of course, that's why she didn't want borders. It was fear of contamination, not aggression. Oh, you can relax. We're inert to native microflora. WTF. Tennyson's shoulders sagged. She stripped off mask and gloves. She looked exhausted. Her wide, expressive mouth a tight line. Her brow tense with aggressive suspicion. I wanted to hug her, to help her. It was why I was here. I reached out and she snatched her hand off the table. Captain Penelope, let me help you. I've studied xenocontact, intellectual dissonance, you need Zen therapy, regressive deprogramming, hemispheric normalization. How about a drink? Tennyson growled. Alcohol, good idea. I'll have one too. After two double whiskeys, Tennyson got her teeth unclenched. No government, huh? Suppose you fix all the problems? A utopia without discontent or crime? Less of it. Governments don't solve problems, they cause them. Bleakly, Tennyson stared down at the table. You said it, sister. Emotionally, I empathized. As a scientist, meeting her, seeing her reactions and behaviors was intriguing, fascinating, more than a little exciting. You're angry because we survived. She rubbed her mouth, a gesture I was to learn often preceded transgressive speech. What the fuck are you doing here? The colony of Norte Chico was established... No, 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 no. Tennyson shook her head like a punch-drunk boxer. We were the last. The only ones to get away. Earth was screwed. The atmosphere. The biome. Game over. She waved her hand through the air. Game over. We fixed it? She glared at me. Impossible. 
Well, it happened. SPQR technology saved us. You'll have to get used to it, sorry. WTF, Tennyson said again and swigged from the bottle. What does that mean? W teeth. Whiskey sprayed as Tennyson snorted laughter. Did I say it right? Yeah, spot on. She gave a sour, distant smile, then dabbed at the whiskey-pattered table with her finger. How do you open the damned windows? I showed her how it worked and the glass de-opaked. Tennyson looked out across the concourse, through the doors at the tree-lined boulevards and plazas. She seemed to crumble, to shrink in on herself. Our world, our civilization, a crushing, agoraphobic weight. Listen, kid, no offense, but that's what you are. I want to talk to an adult. I am an adult. I'm delayed. Postponed puberty? Lots of people do it. It favors intellectual achievement when the mind is at its developmental peak. Double your teeth. You still do that here? Oh, that was just EarthGov propaganda to keep the population down. I was surprised the technique was known so far back, but she was completely wrong. It's a well-established educational paradigm. Tennyson shook her head. How old are you? Twenty-seven. Two centuries crawling through space and I end up with a freak grown-up kid. That hurt. She was the reason I'd delayed. But there was no way I was going to admit that now. I wanted to hurt her back. On the verge of mocking her for getting her own journey time wrong, I remembered she'd have experienced significant time dilation. You're always saying unkind things. Tennyson gave me a sharp, bitter look. She inclined her head. Sorry, kid. It's me. I'm pissed at life. Seriously. I had to make allowances. It was her who needed handling gently, not me. That's okay. Apple Riquez. Crazy name. Crazy girl. My parents chose my name. What did you do it for? Why did you come here? Tennyson's voice slurred. Head in hands, she mumbled. Of all the planets and all the systems and all the Milky Way, everyone lands on mine. She wiped her mouth and scowled at me. Why couldn't you sadistic bastards go somewhere else? It was an awesome experience to sit across the table from someone with no understanding of the modern era. We did. Listen, I'm sorry, and I understand reality has confronted you with undeniable and highly uncomfortable data. Synapse modulation can help long-term, but right now your id is paralyzed by loss of self-esteem. Through no fault of your own, you strayed from your life's journey's happy path into a zone of negative fulfillment. She looked at me like she hadn't been listening. What do you mean? Well, it's a crude metaphor, but in layman's terms, um, culture shock? Before I could move, Tennyson grabbed my shirt and half-dragged me across the table. Not that jibber-jabber. You said you went somewhere else? Yes, I squawked. The table edge dug into my stomach. It was hard to breathe. 
Uh, so far, we've colonized every Earth normal planet in a sphere with a current radius of 157 light years around Sol. Tennyson's mouth sagged open. The strength left her limbs. Released, I staggered back. Tennyson looked into nowhere, her skin a waxy gray. A brushed steel cylinder about the size of my thumb swung out of her neckline on a thong. She clenched it in her fist. For a moment, I thought she was going to tear it off. Instead, she gave a soft, sad, introspective smile and tucked it back inside her top. Pooned, was all she said. At that moment, I knew I had her. At lowest ebb, bereft of aggression, she was open and amenable to the extended hand of friendship. I'd trained for this all my life. Our fluid conversation proved my studies of ancient dialect had not been wasted. The right phrase, at the right time, could cross cultures, reach out across time and space. Now was such a time. All your base are belong to us, I said. That was how I got my broken nose. By the time I'd recovered, Tennyson was gone. The next time I saw Penelope Tennyson, she'd just been released from pending custody. A lot had happened in the two days since she'd punched me. Of course, everyone now knew everything. In fact, Tennyson and the Mesopotamia were a crazy colony-wide sensation. Although I was persona non grata to half the population for my perceived meddling, through some strange alchemy, the other half treated me like I was freakishly cool. Tennyson's pictures were everywhere. The shots of her fighting on the plaza had gone super viral. I watched them again and again, looking for clues. It was the first time I saw her smile. I'd also done more research. What I found gutted me to the core. Tennyson was right about delay. There was no evidence, no science. I found the answers buried in archived records from the first days of the colony. Delay was a scam, a needs-must propaganda coup from Earth's bad old days. We'd bought into the lie and built it into our culture. Yesterday, I couldn't imagine ever showing my face in public. I ate ice cream, I took painkillers for my broken nose, and played old sad songs. That evening brought rain, a heavy persistent drizzle. I listened to the music and stared out the window. In the morning came the invitation to join the dialectic intercourse on Tennyson's transgressions, and mine. I thought things through and grew angry. I'd been a fool. We'd all been fooled. History had played us some cruel tricks. I disabled my implant and walked out, head high, determined to defend Tennyson and myself. The vote was one of the biggest there had ever been. Ten to one, Tennyson was exonerated. By a whisker, I avoided censure and permanent allocation to Corvée. Double your teeth, that looks painful. Wilf studied my bruised and taped nose. Captain Tennyson, welcome to Norte Chico. I hope I don't say anything to offend, but uh, have you thought about your ship? It's not my ship. But, oh, okay... Uh, I understand. A commonwealth possession of the crew? There is no crew. 
So it is your ship? Penelope Tennyson bared her teeth. Go away. Oh, yes, of course. Wilf backed away hurriedly, his eyes on Tennyson's clenched fists. Tennyson's eyes were on me. She studied my nose, then held out her hand. Sorry about that. This time her grip was firm, her gaze frank and assured. Forget it. Somehow, I needed it. A painful wake-up call. Thanks. You're okay, kid. Vanya still hung around. So, delay was a scam. That's quite funny. Only if you're a sadist, Tennyson said. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, what will you do now? Where will you stay? I mean, if you need somewhere to... No need. I broke in. The captain is staying with me. That night, Penelope Tennyson told me what happened to the crew. We never expected to survive. We'd set out knowing we'd never see our families again, that within a few years we'd be the only humans alive. It was too much to bear. One by one, people gave up. After the captain's suicide, we decided anyone who wanted could take the big sleep. Permanent cryo storage. I tried to imagine what it was like to be the last person on that vast ship. So, you'd wake up everyone when you arrived, start the incubators, embed the embryos. Once a decade, we'd activate a hundred embryos. After the fifth run, it was obvious none of them would survive the voyage. Our technology was flawed. There was no way we could compensate for cell damage. The crew? We had facilities for embryo storage, not bodies. Cryo was a one-way trip. She looked right through me. It's a damn sight easier to pretend you're going to sleep than step out of an airlock. It's easier to watch, too. Tennyson knocked back her drink and pulled out the steel vial hanging around her neck. She held it up between thumb and forefinger. This is the last of the failed embryos. Ashes and dust. Where are the rest? I launched him into your son during the slingshot. A mass funeral. Back to stardust. A second exodus. Take your pick. My own life fell into shocking perspective. Tennyson was more damaged than I could begin to imagine. She'd refused cryosleep, a euphemism for self-extinction, and clung on through sheer bloody-mindedness, alone. Her vial contained nothing but dead dreams. That's all over and done, Penelope. There's a place for you here, a home. Please? Thanks, kid, she said. But her eyes were far away. Tennyson tried to forget, but we wouldn't let her. She changed, but the colony was changing around her. Everything she needed to leave behind was foregrounded in a wave of retro-fashion and archaic vocabulary. It's hard to fit in when half the city has copied your hairstyle. Double your teeth. By the end of the year, I was almost out of delay. The changes in my body had been rapid, dramatic, and, I have to admit, mainly enjoyable. Strenuous was voted word of the year. Double your teeth had spread from our colony into the interplanetary standard lexicon. Dahid and I hung out a few times. It was okay. 
He spent most of his time in orbit, running sightseeing tours around the ship. It was Wilf who made the effort to keep in contact. We'd sit around the table, drink whiskey, talk about anything. We talked, and Tennyson drank. She questioned Wilf about modern technology. He was keen to explain. These days, you'd only need a little ship. With a 3D printer and a supply of rare earths and metals, you could make whatever you want to on arrival. What about energy? You'd still need the fizz fuzz. Every house in the city has an SPQR flip-flop. All the energy you need. Space-time quantum redux, Tennyson said slowly. I'm still not sure... We discovered reality is a closed-loop cascade of finite states, mediated by gravity. That's where all the dark matter was hiding. And the dark energy, too. If you flip through all the states, you flop back out with a load of potential. In case a ship in the SBQR field, and you could hold it in a realm where the speed of light is three times higher than normal. Tennyson screwed her eyes shut. If you say so. Limitless energy, the discovery that saved Earth. Wilf edged his chair around the table. Captain Tennyson, Penelope. About your ship. Tennyson rested her fists on the table. It's not my ship, I told you. When Wilf had gone, she poured herself another shot. I don't want to integrate. What, then? I said. I want to get the job done. Penelope? I'll help if I can, but how can you? Perhaps a memorial? Closure? Tennyson poured neat whiskey down her throat. What have you done with your life, Abby? What have you achieved? She reached inside her shirt for the vial holding that last embryo. This is all I have. I can't rest. I can't sleep. When we launched, we swore we'd find a second home or die trying. Everyone else died, so now it's down to me. I need to say I found another Earth, that I stood there and kept my promise. Then, finally, I can lay this thing to rest. She gave me a hollow-eyed look, raised her empty glass high into the air and slurred. It's not too late to seek a newer world. She frowned, her memory uncertain. Uh, not now that strength to sail beyond the sunset and all the western stars. What's that? I asked, intrigued by the echo of some ancient ceremony. But her head had dropped onto her folded arms and she was asleep. I sat beside her for a while. I went outside and looked up at the sky the great band of a galactic light across the heavens. In the middle of the night, I woke and wondered just exactly what had I achieved with my 28 years. In the morning, I sent Dahid a message on my sleeve. Appy! Dahid's face was like a ray of light. Dahid, I need your help. He had that wary look that said no. Then he sighed. What can I do? It took a while, but he made the arrangements. I knew it was right, yet when it was done, I felt unbelievably sad. Dahid brought over the contract, and when I told Tennyson when it was, 
She draped her arms around me and wept. After she signed it, the colony owned Mesopotamia. Fifteen million tons of refined raw material. And she had an SPQR starship. It was petty, and it was personal. I was pleased Ahid had the rep, not Wilf. Tennyson was transformed, a new person alive for the first time. The skyhook that had so cowed her on arrival became a second home as she familiarized herself with her new ship. I never thought about where this was going. Of course, I knew, I just never thought. Tennyson still drank. Some days it made her boisterous, other times introspective. One evening we were sitting outside. Overhead, the station at the top of the skyhook shone silver as it caught the last of the sun. I realized Tennyson had been looking at me for some time. Come with me, she said. I didn't know what to say. It was too big, too sudden. I wanted to say yes, but I was scared. I said nothing. And that was answer enough. Dahid took me up to say Mesopotamia in his space yacht. We swung around the vast, lead-gray habitation sphere, the surface scarred and pitted by its long journey, then out, high above our planet. It's beautiful, I said. A big world. We've hardly explored, Dahid said. I looked back at the Mesopotamia. With a ship like that, you could go anywhere. Dahid cleared his throat. I'm not Wilf. I wanted, I hoped, uh... Now you're through with delay. I kept my mouth shut. I'd felt like I'd made enough mistakes. One world is enough for anyone, Abby. Dahid clutched my hand. Share it with me. Tennyson slipped away to her ship at dawn. I awoke and she was long gone. On the table was a bottle of whiskey and an empty glass. A single shot had been taken from the bottle, the cork firmly back in the neck. Held to the table by the bottle was a scrap of paper marked with the coordinates for Kepler-22b in Cygnus, the far galactic west. Time passes. With so many people coming out of delay, there's going to be a population boom. Vanya married Wilf. He's an important person now, supervisor of a dozen projects. The colony is thriving. Dahid goes out on his wilderness expeditions a year, two years at a time. When he comes back, he stays with me. In between? I wouldn't say I was lonely, but I am alone. Everyone seems to have forgotten me again. While Dahid explores our world, I've traveled to a dozen others. Away, I miss my home. When I return, the echo of traveling haunts me. Then I think of Penelope Tennyson and her long, long mission, that final question of hers. What exactly have I achieved? In my sixth decade, monopole wormholes were discovered. It's going to take a few years, but they promise near-instantaneous travel anywhere in the galaxy. I wonder what Tennyson would do if she arrived at Kepler-22b and found it inhabited. How she'd cope with being leapfrogged by technology for a second time. 
She'd laugh and curse, but I also think she might be expecting it. After all, she did tell me where she was going. I think she'd cut a deal, trade on her name, her legend. She'd swap ships and engines and push on. She'd set a course for a Coldwell 12, 20 million light years from home, far beyond the western stars. I could meet her at Kepler-22b, catch her up, find out if her offer was still open. Either way, she'd appreciate a decent bottle of scotch, a familiar face to share it with. Ugh, that urge to roam. She left me with such a hungry heart. There you go. Big thank you. Don't forget, copyright is David. David, what can I say? Thank you so much. Lovely to have you on the show, sir. And Tatiana, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, if you notice when I first kicked off the show today, it is show 480. That's a mark of achievement there. But it's, it's getting close. You know, there's not that many weeks now to show 500. 500 be buggered. So I was, I wanted to do some, some sort of celebration, do you know what I mean? Or celebrations, shall I say, and activities and everything around it, do you know what I mean? Because the whole idea is to just to barge through 500, cheering and waving, but carrying on going, do you know what I mean? I ain't going to stop. I don't want to stop. Do you know what I mean? I'm loving doing this. I've been doing it for 10 years. We're in our 11th year now, man, for God's sake. You know what I mean? It's just, and it's just built up a whole community where, you know, it's a, it's a, a real source of, of not saying help, but like, you know, of something to look forward to each week by, you know, s- certain folks. You know, it's a kind of regular little bit of content dump. It's dump. <laughs> That's why I would never write that. That's why when I pen the first one, people just say, bloody hell, content dump. Is that the best I can come up with? But you know what I mean? It's just like we're there each week and we just fill a little gap in sometimes you know 
crappy lives, good lives. It's just we, we're there and we're kind of rock steady and that's the whole thing. I just want to kind of, you know, keep on going. But I do want to kind of little celebrate, you know what I mean? Why not? Just to have a little house party sort of thing. So I've been thinking of lots of ideas. And I'm, I know you can just think, well, you've just, you've just done one. But I'm going to all centre it around a Kickstarter because it, some of me things are quite expensive. <laughs> some of the things I'm thinking of are the ideas. So if... Come on the newsletter because I've been sending out, you know, where you can go over. If you go on the Facebook or look through me back, history of Twitter, you'll see a link there to Paul Daddy where I'm asking. Give us an idea, you know what I mean? Give us some ideas what you can kind of think of that we can do to celebrate. There's been a whole hoot of ideas and some of them have been amazing. <laughs> One of them, and I, I jumped on it and I was like, oh, and then Rob said to Tony, Tony, Tony. But someone said, Put all the shows on a little, you know, in like a little time capsule on a, you know, like a hard disc and put it in a vacuum seal thing and drop it in the Bermuda Triangle. And I was like, what a fucking great idea to do that. And it was Robin, your friend Robin, who's helping with the, everyone. Robin, you know, Robin Bradshaw. Robin said, so are you dropping something? You know, and he's trying to like, in this day and age, you can't just go dropping stuff in the ocean, you know what I mean, and polluting the ocean. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's a good idea though. But taking that seed of putting all the shows, all the 500 shows onto a little memory thing, what I am going to do, and uh, the, the, the kind of materials are on the way now, and I'm going to, because I always like to have a little bit dabble, you know what I mean, a little bit kind of make things and stuff like that. I'm going to make those, you know, those like l- resin where you see like things like beetles and bugs trapped in resin, you know, and you kind of get them in museums and stuff like that. I'm going to do like a Starship Sofa one, like a little commemorative like block. And in there, will be, there'll be a, I think there'll be a two because there'll be two different prices because we we are a big show and it's a god. And I don't normally save the, the old shows. <laughs> I don't normally save the old shows to a certain file, do you know what I mean? Just put them up and they're away. But I've had to download them all, and it's over 18 gigs. Do you know what I mean? So it's even... Bla- it went past the, the four gigs that I was hoping for. <laughs> we did a few shows, took that. So I've got to put all these on the memory stick, and then it went past the, the, the 16 gig, and I was like, oh, man, it's up to... Eight, like, I'll have to buy a 32 gig one there now, so... I'm pricing and sorting them. So one will be like a little block and it'll have the kind of, you know, it'll be, hopefully that one will be cheap as chips where it'll just be the block with the logos and stuff and that'll be a Starship Summer paperweight. But then we're going to do it, I'm going to do like a time machine one. This is the idea. And put all the shows onto it like a card, you know what I mean? And and, and sink it in this resin and, and with the logos and a bit glitter. Now, I'd, whether it'll all work like that, you know what I mean? I'm kind of, I was never that good at fixing airplanes. I had fingerprints, glue fingerprints everywhere. But it's coming from me, and you know, I'll make a nice. I'll get. To, I'll get Dave to make a nice little certificate. <laughs> Doesn't know this yet, but you know what I mean. And it'll be a nice kind of thing, hopefully. So that's one idea on the thing. The well, it'd be lovely to get some kind of artwork commissioned, and I'll sign it, and you can do that. You know what I mean? That's that's another idea I've got. Another one, which is what. <laughs> you can tell when it when it hits. <laughs> is I want to put a. I want to put get a, a video in space of Starship Sofa. <laughs> I'm joking. Get 
I'm working out a few prices and things like that. Basically, the, the idea is to get a weather balloon and strap on a load of cameras, a load of equipment, recording equipment, and send it off into space. And what would be lovely is to get, you know, have a few pledges where we, you know, you can send over a photograph and I'll strap it to the, the, the you know, there might be a, kind of a string dangling from the balloon and your photograph will be on that in space. And... I'll be able to send it back to you with a, again with a little certificate. Do you know what I mean? So like this, this has been into space. You know, this photograph. So it could be you and your partner, and I could just you know sign it on the back and send you a little certificate as well, saying you know this has been up to a certain height, and you know there'll be a video as well. And the, there's loads of things at the moment where I'm trying to work out. You know, it's minus fifty up there. Do you know what I mean? My phone starts to rattle and shake. You know, minus one. So, got to overcome that. I've been, you know, on Facebook asking questions and everything like that. And some great ideas, you know. Those heat pads, you know, when you've got a stiff shoulder, you know, strapping them on to... Because I can use a cheap, say, ipad thing. You know, I'm I'm just saying iPad, but you know what I mean, like a tablet. But then, you know, that's actually disposable. Because I'm not... It's the GoPro camera that'll be in the kind of payload box that's doing all the recording, you know. So, and there's also a chance where, and I'm not exactly 100% sure how this might work, but I can actually play Show 500 in space. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to record it, and then like a, a couple of weeks later, we'll actually do this balloon thing. I can take and play Starships Over 500 in space. How? And put that on, you know, I'll put that on the kind of the time capsule one as well, and put the video in there as well, because I've got the 32 gig, I might as well fill it up. So in there as well. So how cool is that? Can you tell I've got no, like, scientific experience? Can we do that? Can we just, we'll just stick it with gaffer tape. That'll do, that'll do. Just stick it up and send it up. Get it up, get it up. As quick as anything. But there's a whole load of things got to be sorted out. But that's, you know, and like I say, Going back to to getting the artwork commissioned, we could have, you know, something like a, a kind of balloon and the likes of, say, me, Amy and JJ Campanella and, and Jeremy, you know, in cartoon form, strapped to it, hanging from this balloon, going into space. Do you know what I mean? So that would be a nice thing to, to kind of sign and get. And I'm sure I'll be able to kind of send them around, you know, and get Amy and JJ and Jeremy, which might, actually might cost a fortune when I'm thinking about that. So you see how it just... But, you know, get it, get it all signed by the, the lotto as well. So that would be super cool. So this is, like I say, just a kind of preempting. Oh, we've got, you know, basically there's, we're on show 480 there now, show 500. That sharp come around, trust us, man. It just goes like that. So if you've got some ideas, drop us an email, starshipsover at gmail.com. Is it still worth putting all the shows in a sealed unit and dropping it in a Bermuda Triangle? Does anybody live there? Shall I do it? <laughs> Or shall I take it up the Roman wall, dig a hole in <laughs> No, it isn't. Yeah, those thoughts have crossed my mind, honestly. I used to live in the Lake District, right next to a village called Ennerdale, a little kind of, a tiny little village called Kirk- Kirkland. And da- we, I burned the pub down. If I don't know if anyone can remember the stories I kind of used to tell about my fire, fire expedition. But I burned the actual pub down. That's how we came back to the northeast of England. It was an accident, you know what I mean? But... In front of the, the pub where we lived, there was a little hill, and then behind it, there was a one called Knock, Knock Fell. And it had a, like a U-shaped horseshoe summit, you know, it was kind of one of those ones. I don't know how, I forget how they get get like that. But anyway, 
the, the thought crossed, you know what I mean? Because that is such a, like, a little crucial bit of my childhood, you know what I mean, where I kind of cling to and, and go back to on dark times. And I was thinking, mm, go have trips up there and take a hole on the top of that fell, you know, the Lake District, National Area of Outstanding Beauty. How you doing, sir? Well, have you taken a hole? So, there we go. Can you tell I'm excited about that? Just to do something to celebrate show 500. Like I say, I've been sitting at this mic week in, week out, and love it. Do you know what I mean? And be nice to kind of celebrate it. And just like I say, the whole idea of the Kickstarter is to kind of raise funds to make sure we get to show 1,000. Do you know what I mean? That would be monumental, man. Do you know what I mean? It's like you say, some of the big iconic magazines that I liked haven't lasted as long as, you know, Starship Sova. So we are an integral part of people's lives, and I'm chuffed a bit and honoured, to be quite honest, to, to be that, you know, to kind of be the voice of Starship Sova. So have a think, you know, let us know, and I'll keep you updated on technical issues as well for, start, you know, how to, to get into space. Imagine it, this is what, I mean, we... My microphone. Imagine if I could strap that to the balloon. So from now on, it would have been in space. It's a heavy thing, though. That's the only. It's the weight of a car tire. What's <laughs> that? A hot air balloon? I'll need. Right then. Until next week. Just like to say, good night from me. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening.
you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 